And welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy. This uh, is a dangerous time. It's a sped-up time. So much illness and suffering and disasters and death. And we lost, just in the last days, two dear friends, unexpectedly. We're going to feature them here today on Earth Riot Radio. One is John Sims. The other one is Hamish Kilgore. Now, John, African-American, six-and-a-half-foot-tall, maker of performance rituals that explode the prejudices of anybody walking by, anybody within a mile. (laughs) Uh, John was a teacher, an educator, and fearless. We're so grateful for his presence in this world. And his spirit is among us now. We're going to play Afro Dixie remix, different artists he invited to revisit that old South sentimental song, I wish I wasn't Dixie. Hooray, hooray. Now, that at the six-minute point of the show, that elides directly into a punk song. You may be startled by that, going from Dixieland straight into, into the clean Hamish Kilgore's with his brother David and others. That famous band, punk band from New Zealand from the early 80s, but really they have existed for a long time and keep reemerging because they've become they could become famous again. Suddenly they'll have a huge following in London and so forth. They reinvented punk as a... Well, they, they came into rock and roll at a time that it was bloated into arena rock and very predictable. And they, uh, they make rock and roll incendiary, full of energy, but also there's a friendly, weird feeling, as eccentric as you and me. John Sims and Hamish Kilgore. Take it away. Look away, look away, 
look away Dixie I wish I was in Dixie Hooray, hooray In Dixieland I'll take my stand To live and die in Dixie Away, away Away down south in Dixie Away
That was Hamish Kilgore and his band The Clean. Hamish harked from New Zealand and New York City. He was our neighbor here in Brooklyn. Woo, we miss Hamish. And he died also, like John Sims, just a few days ago. We're in a state of shock here. His band, The Clean, will impact the underground of rock and roll. It came down to us from under, from down under, the underground of rock and New Zealand and Australia. And like John Sims, there was a quality to Hamish that however grand his political statements, he was being personal. So it's not ideological, it's not an ideological style. It's more like storytelling. It's more like the kind of response that a friend is sitting next to you or walking next to you might, might, might have to, to some thought or some, some direction the conversation has taken. He was like that. It was a personal feeling. And he was a drummer. And drummers are not often um, able to project something personal through the white noise of rock and roll. But he really debunked commercial rock. The whole, all the decorations, the millions of dollars, the 48-channel recording studios, all of that. He just used a drum or two drums, very much from real, real life, almost just drums from your closet or from, from a child, borrowed from a kid. He didn't look on stage like the exotic metal monster of, you know, one of those over-the-top power rock groups. Hamish's idiosyncratic personality was as weird, as weird and original as you and me. And he shared that with John, John Sims. His willingness to find drama in the ordinary made everybody feel better. It's a, it's a hard thing he did, or it, well, he made it look easy. He just let himself come up through all those layers and taught us how to do it. We became empowered ourselves. So the two, these two people, John Sims and Hamish Kilgore, they gave us their lives. They gave us, well, I would never put it that way before. They, uh, now we live in their spirit. There's two spirits now left among us, playing with us, whispering to us, leading us, laughing. Dare to be yourself, they say. Even in the vast institutions that dominate us, the racism, the nationalism, the commercialism, dare to be yourself and have the faith that you will shine through. And now I wish you vastness from the Stop Shopping Choir. Peace. 
Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Per passenger, private air travel is 5 to 14 times more carbon polluting than commercial flights and 50 times more polluting than high-speed rail, according to the European NGO Transport and Environment. Eels are facing population collapse, conservation groups have warned, after annual fishing negotiations for key EU waters ended in the setting of quotas above those scientists have recommended. Eels are critically endangered, and conservation groups and scientists have argued that all EU eel fisheries should be closed to allow population space to recover. However, in the annual negotiations over EU waters, including the Northeast Atlantic, the European Commission agreed only to extend the closure of eel fisheries at sea from the current three-month closure to six months to cover juvenile eel migration and mature eels swimming between the sea and rivers. A leak from a 1 and 5 8 inch vent on a natural gas storage well operated by Equitrans Midstream Corporation was discovered in a rural corner of Pennsylvania on November 6th and lasted for 13 days, allowing more than 1 billion cubic feet of methane to escape. Methane, the primary component of natural gas, has a devastating impact on the climate if released directly into the atmosphere where it has more than 80 times the warming power of carbon dioxide in its first two decades. This single Equitrans release effectively erased emissions gains from about half of the 656,000 electric vehicles sold in the U.S. last year. The incident is one of the biggest blows to the credibility of the U.S. gas industry since the Aliso Canyon leak that began in late 2015 in California and lasted more than 100 days. Tiniqua National Natural Park once covered an expanse of more than 2,140 square kilometers of the Colombian Amazon rainforest. Over the past 20 years, it has lost 29% of its forests. The majority of this loss has occurred since 2018. Authorities say illegal cattle ranching, coca growing, and land grabbing are driving deforestation in the park much of it reportedly done at the hands of armed groups affiliated with FARC dissident factions. Tiniqua is one of Colombia's most important biogeographic and ecological corridors, harboring a rich diversity of plant and animal species. There are currently 100,000 cattle grazing in the park. 
For the first time, a controlled fusion experiment has produced more energy than was put into it. This is known as ignition, and it was achieved at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory's National Ignition Facility in California. An experiment conducted on December 5th has reached that incredible threshold and milestone achievement in the quest to control the physics that powers the sun and all the stars. The NIF approach to fusion requires lasers and a type of hydrogen that has neutrons in its nucleus. This heavy hydrogen is kept in a tiny cylinder, and this container is shot with the largest laser in the world. The power it delivers is enormous. The cylinder is vaporized in an instant, turning to plasma and shot inwards, where it encounters the hydrogen with such force that the fuel is compressed and fuses. This process releases energy. The energy delivered by the laser alone on December 5th was 2.05 megajoules, and it produced 3.15 megajoules of fusion energy output. This energy output is modest in the grand scheme of things, less than a kilowatt hour, but they were able to get 53% more energy out than they put in. The pursuit of fusion ignition in the laboratory is considered among the most significant scientific challenges ever tackled by humanity. The road to a commercial power plant, however, remains long. Ancient inhabitants of the Basin of Mexico used it as a precise solar observatory in order to keep track of the time of year a new study has concluded. Using the landscape as a calendar, the ancient people were able to plant crops at the correct time of year and feed a large human population of between one and three million people. As was documented by colonial invaders, the Aztecs were able to keep track of the year incredibly precisely and may even have known to add in a leap day every four years in order to keep the calendar aligned with the astronomical seasons. It is likely that they used the mountains of the basin as a solar observatory, using the position of the sun to keep track of the seasons. Our hypothesis is that they used the whole valley of Mexico. Their working instrument was the basin itself. When the sun rose at a landmark point behind the Sierras, they knew it was time to start planting, said Ezequiel Escura. Using astronomical models and maps of the area, the research team was able to simulate the position of the sun during every day, all the way back to 4,712 BC. They were able to figure out that on February 24th, the first day of the Aztec New Year, a temple at the mountain summit and a long causeway structure at its base aligns with the rising sun. Approximately 6% of the Earth's mass is made of asteroids. Analysis of just a few grams of soil from the surface and subsurface of the asteroid Ryuga has revealed new insights into the past of our planet and the whole solar system. Armed with soil samples from the asteroid, researchers were able to estimate that asteroids must have contributed about 6% of the Earth's mass. Microdoses of psilocybin, the psychoactive compound in magic mushrooms, have been found to normalize certain elements of cognitive performance in young rats with autism. And while it's far too early to say if the drug produces the same benefits in humans with autism spectrum disorder, the fact that larger doses of psilocybin were less effective in rats does at least lend some credibility to the controversial topic of psychedelic microdosing. Female snakes have clitorises, according to the first detailed study on the subject, in which the scientists emphasized how little female sex organs have been researched compared to males across species. 
Previous research had hypothesized that the organs on female snakes were scent glands, underdeveloped versions of penises, or were even there to stimulate males rather than the other way around. But the new study said it has definitively ruled out such theories, offering the first complete description of snake clitorises. The findings suggest that clitorises may be common across squamates, the largest order of reptiles which include snakes, and could play an essential role in how they reproduce. Since the 1800s, it has been known that male squamates have a dual-sex organ called a hemipenis. The study found that snakes have two individual clitorises, hemiclitoris, separated by tissue and hidden by skin on the underside of the tail. For the death adder, the organs form a triangle shape that looks just like a heart. The study comes after a research abstract presented in the U.S. earlier this year said that the human clitoris has about 10,000 nerve endings, almost 20% more than the previously widely cited number of 8,000, which reportedly came from research carried out on cows. A new study co-authored by Panthera and the Venezuelan Institute for Scientific Research has found novel evidence of wild male jaguars forming coalitions and collaborating with each other to secure prey, improve chances of mating, and defend or expand their territories. Long regarded as a solitary species, the findings suggest the America's largest wild cat is more social than previously believed with unrelated males sometimes forming multi-year alliances in regions home to high prey and female jaguar densities. And now, the sounds of extinction. The mountain mist frog, a species once found across two-thirds of Australia's wet tropics, has been declared extinct. The last recorded sighting of the frog, most commonly found near Thornton Peak, northwest of Cairns, was in April 1990. It is believed to have been wiped out by chytrid fungus, a disease that attacks the skin and has destroyed amphibian populations across the globe. Though a reduction in its natural habitat due to rising temperatures driven by greenhouse gas emissions may have also played a role. The mountain mist frog reached nearly six centimeters in length, and was described as gray, gray-brown, or light-brown, sometimes with black flecks or spots on its back. For tens of thousands of years, there were these little frogs calling their hearts out in these rainforests. But now, it's silent. And hear the sound of the mountain mist frog. And now, time to say goodbye. This is Reverend Billy with Earth Riot Radio. And I'm at the Church of Stuff Shopping in New York City. Come to our Rev Billy, R-E-V, Billy.com and, and talk to us. If you visit New York, we, we're holding forth most Sunday afternoons at 3 o'clock in the East Village with our Earth service. I'd like to thank 
all of the friends and, and, and uh, the widespread communities of these two activists, John Sims and Hamish Kilgore, all of them are now in, in a state of mourning and uh, I join you in honoring these two souls, each of whom stepped out of the norm. They stepped, they stepped uh, out into risk-taking situations in public space, um, managing sounds, managing imagery, so that people like you and I could see things afresh, have new, new kinds of courage. But then, then it's up to us to take this forward. It's all in motion because the monoculture is very powerful. And as soon as you're a little bit off the tried and true path, you're called names. Ultimately, ultimately, the social movements that have created change in this society, this consumer society, there's always been injury and, and worse involved. That happens to be how change looks sometimes in the United States. These people are very positive and there's a lot of humor in their work and they're both entertainers. And so we, of course, are looking for the cross-section of showbiz and entertainment with the environmental movement for the earth. And so we come now to the goodbye, which is everybody now. Earthalooya. <laughs> <laughs>